1: Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. They do great work, and you can find out more and give them a call. The website is Johnson'sAirConditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We've got a terrific show lined up for you today, including guests. Mark Schulman, founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. Larry Reed is President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education, and Jim McTegg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief and author of a couple of great murder mysteries, will be joining us as well. It is March the 14th, and on this day in 1950, the Federal Bureau of Investigation institutes the 10 Most Wanted fugitive list In an effort to publicize particularly dangerous fugitives, the creation of the program rose out of a wire service news story in 1949 about the toughest guys the FBI wanted to capture. The story drew so much public attention that the 10 Most Wanted list was given the OK by J. Edgar Hoover the following year. Since its debut, hundreds of criminals included on the list have been apprehended or located with more than 150 as a result of tips from the public. The Criminal Investigation Division of the FBI asks all 56 field offices to submit candidates for inclusion on the list. The CID is an association with the Office of Public and Congressional Affairs that proposes finalists for the approval of the FBI's uh, deputy director. The criteria for selection is simple. The criminal must have a lengthy record and current pending charges that make him or her particularly dangerous. And the FBI must believe that the public uh, public attendance uh, to the placement on the list will assist in the apprehension of the fugitive. Generally, the only way to get off the list is to die or to be captured. There have only been a handful of cases where our fugitive have been removed from the list because they no longer were t- particularly dangerous or a menace to society. Only 10 women have appeared on the 10 most wanted list in uh, the history since 1950. 10 most wanted. You don't want to show up with your picture in the post office. Well, daylight savings time has occurred. I don't know about you, but it uh, creates a little disruption in my life. And uh, you may recall that uh, under uh, Governor Scott, we changed uh, to permanent daylight savings time. And uh, that would be for the entire state of Florida, which, by the way, some of it uh, up in the Panda Handle is part of uh, the central uh, time zone. So uh, that's all it takes, approval of Congress. Congress has not approved it yet. It would be nice if they could, ha- if this could happen before uh, we change the clocks back. And it would be nice to have a permanent time, either daylight or standard time. It would be nice, uh, would be my recommendation. Of course, the uh, State Department or State uh, House has already approved it. The uh, Senate has been signed by the governor. It's Governor Scott. Let's get it done. <clears throat> well, Ukraine... <clears throat> Uh, The Russians say there's been substantial progress in peace talks and joint position soon could be reached. The possible breakthrough came after Ukrainian negotiator and presidential advisor also said that they thought progress be made in the talks with Russia in a matter of days. Three rounds of talks between the two sides in Belarus most recently last Monday have focused mainly on humanitarian issues and led to the limited opening of some corridors for civilians to escape. Uh, Russian President Vladimir Putin said on Friday there had been some positive shifts in the talks but did not elaborate. On Saturday, the Kremlin said the discussions between the Russians and Ukrainian officials have continued in video format. The possible breakthrough comes after 35 people were killed in a Russian airstrike on Ukrainian military base used for NATO drills less than 15 miles from the Polish border. So uh, we'll look forward to some clarification of what's going on from Mark Schulman later in the show. Uh, but uh, wouldn't that be a great breakthrough to have uh, some sort of peace negotiated between the two? Well, this is not a sports program, but this is big news. All-Star quarterback Tom Brady has reversed his decision uh, to retire and announced on Sunday he will go for his 23rd season in the NFL. Now, retired for, <laughs> he retired for 60 days. He said these two past months, I've realized my place is still on the field and not in the stands. The time will come, but uh, it's not now. I love my teammates, and I love my supportive family. They make it all possible. I'm coming back for my 23rd season in Tampa. Unfinished business, he tweeted on Sunday. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers immediately confirmed Brady's announcement. Good thing that, that they knew about it and apparently have negotiated some sort of a deal. Tom Brady's biggest announcement came uh, two months after he formally retired from the NFL after 22 stellar seasons in which he racked up seven, get that, seven Super Bowl titles. ESPN originally reported Tom Brady's upcoming retirement before he announced it, leading to a speculation it might have been a rumor. And lead up to his final decision, the quarterback hinted at an internal struggle with the idea. I'm still going through the process, and I said I was going through. Sometimes it takes some time to really evaluate how you feel and what you want to do. I think that the same is the time is right, and I think I've been ready to make a decision one way or the other. Uh, Like I said last week, he said, leading up to the announcement. Exactly what sparked Tom Brady's stunning reversal, change of mind, is yet to be seen. But nevertheless, it's made a lot of people here happy here in Florida that uh, he's going to be playing another season. Not so sure everybody around the league is happy, though. Well, possessing more than two ballots in Florida now will become a felony under a bill passed by state lawmakers on Wednesday. The offense was previously a misdemeanor in the state under a 2021 law. But the more serious classification in a new legislation will make it punishable with a fine of up to $50,000 and five years in prison. Uh, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis has indicated he will sign the bill into law. The ballot felony is just one part of a bill that aims to reform certain elements of Florida's elections. The legislation will also establish a first-of-its-kind election police force for the U.S., which has raised concerns about its possible impact on voters. the uh, November press release that announced his intention to oppose the legislation, DeSantis said the measure was aimed at bolstering election integrity in the state. Again, Governor DeSantis demonstrating his wisdom in uh, what's going on. Uh, We have great election results here in Florida, and by that I mean uh, very little, if any, fraud going on, unlike other states uh, like Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Georgia, Georgia. And some of the uh, swing states that uh, had so much fraud and still being reported, by the way, and processed. Well, in the shadows of Russia's war in Ukraine, a former president, Donald Trump, declared Saturday night it was time to clean out the rot of our failed foreign policy establishment as he slammed his successor, Joe Biden, as an unf- as unfit for office. I don't know if you saw the rally. We watched it on Saturday night. It was cold there. Holy moly, it was really cold. He only spoke for an hour, which typically takes another half an hour. But uh, people showed up in droves. There must have been 20,000 people there. Uh, But uh, the temperatures were in the 40s, if you can believe that. And they must have been standing there for several hours. Under Joe Biden, America is neither feared nor respected. He told a jam-packed, raucous rally on uh, freezing night in Florence, South Carolina, there's been a time when our country has been treated this way, it's right now our countries, uh, our countries are, uh, other countries are lecturing us and telling us what to do, he said. And that's why we are seeing chaos and mayhem and bloodshed all over the world. America's 45th president sounded even more like a candidate for president again in 2024, blamed the entrenched bureaucracies of the State Department and security establishment for allowing Russia's aggression on Ukraine. And while we need to help stop the brutal invasion, we also have to clean out the rot of our failed foreign policy establishment, he said. It's indeed rotten to the core before those, these total lunatics lead us down the path of national ruin and World War III. Trump said he was confident that Republicans will ca- recapture both chambers of Congress in November in the midterm elections and provide a counterbalance to pro- uh, progressive policies flourishing under Biden. If we are united, the tyrants we are fighting do not stand a chance, he said. As he has called and said in recent rallies and appearances, he relentlessly pounded the current president and his policies for rising inflation and energy prices, soaring crime, an open border, and failed leadership on, on the world stage. We have a president in the most important time in history that is both physically and mentally challenged, he said. We're losing our country no different than if we lost a war. Trump said he was the only U.S. president in the 21st century to avoid Russian invasion on his watch. And uh, that's certainly true. He urged the Biden administration and Europe to be more tough with Putin and not take military options off the table. The U.S. must make it clear to Putin that he has two choices, negotiate peace right now or else face blistering consequences, he said. Donald Trump, I'm sure he would have uh, gotten Putin's attention. He probably would have said, hey, don't do anything because I've got you in my focus. Do not disrupt things that are happening in Ukraine. Nevertheless, all of this has happened. Of course, Biden appears uh, weak. So whatever old Joe Biden may be, uh, he in his dotage, he sure has become a whiner. At the White House, at the House Democratic Caucus issues uh, conference on Friday, Biden lost his temper, shouting that he was sick of this stuff. <laughs> that is, American blaming him for inflation that the far-left policies have caused. That wasn't all that was the ostensible president was enraged about, however. In the same speech, he fumed that Americans just didn't understand the great job he's doing. Biden opened this particular gambit with a full, th- uh, full-on threat. I'm not saying we're over, we're just getting going, he said. It's quite clear that at this point, the American people and the world at large would be a great deal better off if he didn't do anything for the rest of his sorry term. But no such luck. His handlers are just getting started. That means more pain in the offing. And we have a lot of work to do. Biden continues uh, semi-coherently. But never forget what we've accomplished together so far. Oh, we won't. Hyperinflation, skyrocketing gas prices. War in Ukraine, a botched withdrawal from Afghanistan, and the emboldening American enemies worldwide, the uh, insurer of the uh, southern border, erasure of the southern, southern border, unknowable numbers of criminals and terrorists streaming into the country. Who could forget that, Joe? But as far as Biden is concerned, he isn't riding high in the polls right now because the American people just aren't capable of grasping his magnificence. And by the way, the American people, just trying to stay above water, just don't understand this. You tell them that the American Recovery Act was, and they look at it. You like what? What are you talking about? Understandably, they're not like my family, mom, dad, four kids, grandpa, living in a house in three-bedroom split home, just every single day for trying to figure out how to put enough food on the table, even when things are okay. Well, and on this anniversary of the American Rescue Plan, let's be clear: we did it alone. Without one single solitary Republican vote, said Biden. That's true. The destruction of America has been accomplished so far with, without one single solitary Republican vote, at least in this particular instance. Unfortunately, on all too many occasions, old Joe has not had trouble finding corrupt and compromised Republicans to go along with his nefarious plans. So, not a good record for Joe Biden. He's pretty upset that people don't appreciate him. Now, that's too bad, old Joe. You ought to do things that help America. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. hope you'll visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, Mark Schulman, founder and publisher of historycentral.com. that and more right here in the Bob Harden show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
0: Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden show here on the Bob Harden
1: Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Hardin, the host of The Bob Hardin Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60's decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value and terrific service. Most of the friendly staff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at Lulabee's.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner open from 8 a.m until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulaby's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. 4541
0: Welcome back to the Bob Harton show and now here's your host Bob Harden.
1: Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Choice Social. Choice Social is a new, refreshing social networking platform, and you can find out more and download the app by visiting the website, choicesocial.us. Coming up, going to visit with Jim McTagg. Right now we have with us Mark Shulman. Mark is an author. He's written several books, mainly on past presidents. He's also the founder and publisher of a multimedia website, terrific website, good for kids of all ages. It's called HistoryCentral.com. I hope you check it out. Mark, thank you so much for joining us here on the show.
2: Always a pleasure, Bob.
1: Thank you, Mark. So uh, let's talk a little bit about what's happening around the world, and uh, let's start off with an update on Ukraine.
2: Okay, so... Um, we're now in this deep into the second, third week of the war. I guess at this point,
1: yeah. Um,
2: the Russians have ground forward, but have not achieved uh, really any of their aims so far. They've they've gone from a swift victory now to to taking the model of um, Chechnya or Syria, and the way they are going to achieve victory is by destroying the cities, um, and that's what they seem to be doing. Human life has no no apparent uh, value, no apparent concern. War crimes are taking place on an hourly basis. Uh, they're in little towns that they're they're capturing, they're going out and shooting people. I mean, you know, I'm not, I'm not quite sure how far the line between them and the Nazis are at this point, which is surprising and hard to say. Hmm. Um, but um, you know, it's um. Meanwhile, the Ukrainians are putting up an unbelievable fight. And they're getting a lot of American and British and everybody's arms, um, which is making a big difference. And the Russian army seems to be nothing like everyone suspected it would be.
1: So I I read one report that uh, there are negotiations go on by apparently some sort of Zoom (laughs) uh, uh, outfit. uh, There There are
2: negotiations going on at the moment. It's not clear where they're going to go. You know, it's – look – the bottom line is only one person who can decide to end this war and that's putin um but he'd have to give up on his dreams in order to end it on a on a, any sort of way that that's acceptable to the ukrainians so i don't know um i'm you know i don't want to fight to the last ukrainian so it's very difficult for uh, to express an opinion yeah um in that sense <clears throat> but um Unless the Russians are defeated, we're in for additional difficulties, let's put it that way.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, Zelensky said, look, we're going to fight to the last man or woman. In other words, so if you come here and uh, decide that you're going to kill us, you're going to have to kill us all because we will fight until the end and uh, you'll end up here with barren land and no people. If you want to take over Ukraine, so uh, I mean, he is speaking for the people, and he's extremely outspoken in terms of what he wants to accomplish. I thought I I thought I read that Putin said that you know we probably can reach some sort of negotiation or and settlement here in the next couple of days.
2: Well, there there was one there was a report that said that, that that negotiations are are more favorable, and Ukrainians are claiming the Russians are not making the same demands. We don't know. I mean the issue of course is putin needs a way down because
1: mm-hmm.
2: his plan didn't work on the other hand is you know what would be that that plan down i mean for the for the ukrainians to agree not to join nato for the next 10 years well nato doesn't really want them in the next 10 years on the other hand he's created an enemy you know if ukraine could have been a friend of russia now they're enemies of russia there's no way there's no two ways about it you don't kill innocent people the way he's been doing and then say, oh, it was just an accident.
1: Yeah. Well, you know the, other, the sure. other thing is he apparently attacked an air base that's been used for training of uh, uh, people in NATO, about 35, I guess 15 miles from the border of Poland, and uh, apparently that, that was bombed, 35 people killed. I mean, it, here's the problem, is that sometimes that you can, by mistake, or get very close to or have some sort of misunderstanding about what happened, that escalates the thing into a total world war.
2: Right, absolutely. Look, that's the danger. That's the danger we're, we're in to listen. If, if Putin didn't have nuclear weapons, uh, I would think that at this point it would have... Uh, we would have um, intervened on the side of the Ukrainians. I mean, how long can we watch people being massacred, mm-hmm. uh, civilians? I'm talking about the army is the army, but it's the civilians being killed indiscriminately and do nothing. I and mean, we've done that before, obviously. We did that in Syria. Uh, we did it in Grozny. but In that case, it was uh, a civil war. So we've certainly done it before, but now it's being done, you know, on everyone's living room screens or computers or however you want to look at it every minute of the day, practically.
1: But you know, Mark, what's so, interesting about this is that there are other places, civil war, that's uh, around the globe in Africa and other places, Ethiopia, if I'm not mistaken, where people are, there's genocide going on, murders, killing all the time. <clears throat> so much of this is, is shaped by the, the mainstream media and the news outlets and what they focus on.
2: Well, yes and no. I mean, you, you're right. There are places in Africa where there have been civil wars, where people are being killed. But two things make this very, very different. Number one, you have a independent country being invaded by another country. This isn't a civil war. Mm-hmm. This is an invasion of an independent country with a democratically elected government, with a government that is recognized by uh, most of the world as being democratic. Um, I wouldn't say corruption-free, but with a lower, with less and less corruption every year. Uh, a country that wants to be part of the European Union, whose... Um, you know, there are a lot of, uh, in the world that I'm in, the other side of the world, I'm in the programming world. There are lots and lots of programmers in, in Ukraine and there's uh, an involvement of American companies and backends being done in Ukraine. This is not some place far off. Um, and it's, you know, here was a telegraph situation where the president of the United States knew in advance, warned the world that, that Putin was going to do this. Most people didn't believe him. Uh, but the reality was this is what he was planning to do, and he did it and broke all the norms. Uh, the only other time there's norms of, of – uh, norms that are created after World War II were broken in this sort of way was Saddam Hussein when he invaded Kuwait. Mm-hmm. And what was the result of that? The world, including the Russians, joined forces and pushed Saddam Hussein out of Kuwait
1: Right. the
2: first Gulf War uh, because the world would not accept the idea that one sovereign state could take – you know, invade a second sovereign state – and occupy it because the whole basis of the UN and everything that's been built since World War two is that, that sovereign states are sovereign states. Civil wars they get more complicated, obviously. Yeah. And um, you know, do you, when and how you intervene in a civil war is a very problematic issue. But here, there's no, you know, look, listen, there's there's no legal issues here. There's, you know, the worldwide boycott against the Russians is 100% uh... legal in the sense that they totally violated all norms of international law by invading a sovereign country
1: so uh, we have now imposed sanctions we've done put pressure on putin in a number of ways but it appears that china's in the background pulling the strings and uh, you know creating a support for putin in his efforts so uh, any thoughts mark are you there Oh, my goodness. I think I've lost Mark. Uh, we were just uh, visiting, and uh, now I think we've lost him. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and continue on the show, hang up, and see if he doesn't call back uh, right now. <laughs> so that's Sometimes I don't know whether that's the phone system or what it might be, but it happens on occasion. By the way, uh, Department of Homeland Security Alejandro Mayorkas is working on a very important project. Rather than shut down the border, he's released new rules on extremism, The new guidelines on extremist behavior include those questions, the fraud in the 2020 election, and anyone who questions the regime's talking points on COVID and its treatments, including the mandates. This is in a March 2021 unclassified threat assessment prepared by the Office of the Director of National Intelligence and the Department of Justice and DHS noted that domestic violent extremists who are motivated by a range of ideological and galvanized by recent political and societal events in the United States pose an elevated threat to the homeland in 2021. The assessments pointed to new socio-political developments such as narratives of fraud in the recent general election and the bolding impact of the violent breach of the U.S. Capitol, conditions related to COVID-19 pandemic and conspiracy theories promoting violence that will almost certainly spur some violent extremists to try and engage in violence this year. Over half of the U.S. population, of course, uh, questions the results of the 2020 election. I know I certainly do, but I put myself on the extremist list when I say that. Another half of the public questions the ever-changing COVID talking points coming from the medical elites uh, during the uh, Fauci who lied under oath about his funding of -of gain-of-function research in labs. So if you mention this, you may end up on the list yourself. I tell you, what's interesting is... I'm sure that's a correct assessment. Some people will actually think about doing something violent as a consequence of their ideological beliefs. That's bad, and anybody who sets out to harm somebody else here in this country should be punished. Uh, Anybody who does that should be punished, and anybody who uh, it is a crime to, in fact, create a conspiracy in order to do that. But short of that, to be able to think it, there's going to be punishing now for our thoughts. That makes absolutely no sense. It's it's what uh, it reminds me of Soviet Russia, unfortunately, right now. Mayorkas, let's see if this isn't Mark. Mark, is that you? That is me. I don't know why we lost you, Mark. I was... <laughs> Right in the middle of a sentence, but anyhow, welcome. Must have been Putin. Yeah, it must have been Putin. Thank you much. Thanks so much for coming back to the show. So I appreciate that so much. I forgot where we were in our conversation about Ukraine, but uh, we were talking about, I think, getting into the whole notion of China's support for Russia.
2: Right, so that's one of the big questions. We don't really know. Uh, I mean, yesterday there were reports that the Russians have asked the Chinese for assistance in terms of arms, which is an interesting set of affairs, which is basically the Russians admitting their arms don't work. Hmm. Um, and the Chinese are clearly more advanced than the Russians in terms of, look, the Russians, the, the Chinese make things. Um, and the Chi- the Russians don't. Uh, so, there's no question that the Chinese arms are more advanced. Um, the United States, I believe, uh, I think it's Sullivan, the National Security Advisor, is meeting with his Chinese counterpart today in Rome. And from what I understand, making it very clear that if they go down this road, there's no coming back. Interestingly, there was an article that was written in one of the Chinese um, newspapers by one of their foreign policy experts. And the professor was allowed to be written, which was interesting, that basically called on the Chinese government um, to make a choice, and the choice being go with the West and not with Putin right now, hmm. that it's not in the Chinese interest uh, for Putin to succeed if he succeeds it's only going to um it's only going to strengthen the west it's only going to strengthen the united states because um the countries of the world are not going to unite uh, against this threat and the chinese are sort of going to be left left out of it in a certain way um and that of course is not to mention of course it's bad for 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 chinese business because you know the chinese have plan was to to win win the world um by winning the economies winning you know winning business so yeah. not win the world by using gu- guns
1: you know um, mark what's so- what's interesting i i heard some commentary that kind of made sense to me too that i could bounce it off of you is that uh, the new alignment the new way the world is uh, aligning itself is that the uh, the authoritarian countries like china russia uh, others in South America are, are are lining at Cuba, small country, but nevertheless the same same principle against those that perhaps have more democratic bases, such as uh, the UK, United States. There aren't many, <laughs> unfortunately. What are your thoughts?
2: Well, first of all, more than you just described. I mean, there's the United States, there's, there's all of Europe, there's Australia, there's Japan, there's South Korea, which had an election, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's New Zealand. It's not It's not such a small number. Most of South America is democratic these days, as is a very high percentage of Africa, something we don't pay attention to at all. Mm-hmm. But leave that part aside. I agree with that as a potential. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure it works for the Chinese. That's the question. We, mm-hmm. You know, on one hand... Um, the Chinese are interested in the United States not being as strong as it once was. They don't want the United States to dominate them, and all of those sort of things. But on the other hand, in terms of an economic system, the Chinese need need access to all of the markets of the world in order to sell their goods. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if the China, China and Russia together make a very not successful economic pair, let's put it that way. Hmm. So... You know, we, we can. It's an interesting thought, and it makes a certain amount of geopolitical sense, but it's very problematic in terms of yeah. uh, for the Chinese because the Chinese really base all of their goals on uh, on succeeding economically um, and to some extent
1: scientifically
2: and all those other ways. If they cut off from from the West because they've picked this this path. Um, they're in really deep, deep trouble.
1: Yeah. That you make such so, an interesting point, Mark, that's so interesting. Uh, speaking of which, uh, how are what's happened to this uh, this uh, real estate debacle that's been going on in China? In, in other words, I'm getting to the point of the strength, financial strength of China right now. What's going on?
2: Uh, there, it's it's going on. It's still going on. There's still a lot of difficulties. There's a lot of possibilities of bankruptcy. To be quite honest with you, it's it sort of passed. You know, like everything else, the, everything on the world has been relating to Ukraine, and I'm qu- quite honestly only seen things in the peripheral about it in the last couple of couple of um, last two weeks. But yep. the the issue the issue has not been solved. Look, they have a fundamental problem, which is there is overbuilding, and they have a they have a population that is shrinking. You know, that's one of the things that. Um, we just don't think about it enough. We think about China being this huge country with an infinite number of people. But right now, every single day, more people are retiring in China that are being added to the workforce.
1: Yeah, and it's a big and problem. They
2: don't, you know, they don't have immigration. That's we right. always did really well because of the immigration to the United States. That Even as our birth rate dropped, it was compensated by immigration. We yeah. need to be thinking about that some more um, because we need more immigrants in order to, for the United States to continue to grow economically if we care about that.
1: We do care about it, but they need to be legal immigrants, in my opinion.
2: It's a different story, but hey, listen, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not talking about the legal and not legal. I'm talking about the fact we need to increase immigration. You know, it was cut back tremendously
1: during the Trump era. Yeah, legal no, I, I I agree with that. And we absolutely so, do. But we also, we also should, should have some sort of a merit system, that so we decide who comes into the country, in my opinion. But you're absolutely right. I totally agree with your point that we need, because our birth rate has declined substantially. We are in big trouble if we don't have immigration
2: right absolutely i mean all of europe japan of all have these problems the united states doesn't have the problem theoretically it didn't have the problem because of immigration right throughout its history right and there's people still want to come to america for all that it represents so we have to find a way of increasing legal immigration um and therefore keep the country growing in that sense absolutely. and someone who's in america as a legal immigrant there's no none of the issues that that surround the illegal immigration are an issue if they're a legal immigrant, right? So, but that requires, you know, on so many areas, it requires a national will. It requires understanding what our responsibilities are, what we want to accomplish, what the goal goals are, and there's, there's so little of that.
1: Well, we need we need our legislators to put on their big boy pants and start making. <laughs> no, start... no,
2: they're not interested in big boy. They want to just attack each other over nonsense.
1: That's true. That's true. So, uh, Mark, what's going on with COVID?
2: Covid. First of all, Covid. We can't talk about Covid without talking about China right now, because Covid seems to have finally hit China in a serious way. Numbers are hard to get, but the Zhejiang province, which is the area where basically iPhones are made and all all the electronics, is now on total lockdown hmm. because of the numbers of um, of Covid cases. So what the world doesn't need right now is an additional factor in its um, supply chain being disrupted even further. Um, you know, we can expect some real problems in the world going forward. Right now, in the next six months, just from the supply chain issues, and we had the issues. We had the issues from COVID. Okay, that's one set of issues, but those mostly were until now were 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 sort of you know things going to the wrong places, wrong time, ports, and all those sort of things. Now we have China, which has been a major producer of everything. If they go into lockdown, that's a big problem. We have the problem of the wheat supply primarily from Ukraine, but also from Russia, which has fed a good part of the world. And if if Ukrainian wheat is off the market, um, that's going to be a significant problem to the food supply all over the world.
1: And fertilizer. The,
2: and then we have the oil problem, which is, you know, if you take off the Russian oil as much as you can, it's difficult to make up for it quickly, let's put it that way. Yeah. Uh, so all of these things are obviously solvable. I mean, I think the United States could probably be producing a lot more wheat than it does. You can stop paying farmers for not uh for not farming and instead let them farm. Um but um that doesn't help in the six month uh horizon, let's put it that way. Yeah,
1: now, and what do you hear about this uh I think they call it Delta Cron now, a new variant that apparently is emerging for COVID.
2: Yeah, it's 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 troubling. We don't really know enough. In other words, DeltaCron if it has the um if it has the ability to get people sick like the Delta version and the ability to spread like the Omicron version, and then that's the last thing we need in the world right now. Yeah. Um, so, uh, look, you know, one of the biggest problems we have all over the world, is no no country is exempt from it at this point, except China, which does its own thing, is we're all so tired of COVID. We don't want any restrictions. We don't want anything that interferes with our lives in any which way. We want to go about our lives as if there is no, not COVID. And the problem is it's not quite the case and you know people there are approximately a thousand people a day are still dying in the united states from covid mm-hmm. um in the world we've we've had these outbreaks again numbers are rising again in great britain and in germany they've risen for the last five weeks in a row um, so we don't have good answers we all are tired in every which way
1: and suspicious um, we're, we're also suspicious of the information we're getting from public health officials and politicians on this front as well so the, there's that as well
2: well, absolutely, but, you know, part of the suspicion was created by people who like being suspicious. So it's the opposite the... of virtuous circle. It uh,
1: uh, well, it's also the issue of uh, obfuscation and uh, not giving full disclosure and transparency. Well, it's,
2: but, well, but the other part of the issue is, and this is people don't understand enough, is that one of the problems with a disease like this or any sort of emerging problem is that no one has all the answers. Right. So what I tell you today, you can come. And, you know, a month from now, you can say you were completely wrong. And yes, I was completely wrong because we got it wrong because we don't have all the answers. But Mark, wouldn't
1: it be refreshing to have somebody say, you know, we're not sure about this information right now. So instead of that, there's there's a. Uh declarations about what we should do based on, and in many cases, we look back and say, was it correct information? So I think that really harms the credibility of uh, public health officials in a big way, and I think it could have a major effect on on our health here in the United States, around the world. Uh, Mark, as usual, we have less time than we have information and, and issues to talk about, but I genuinely appreciate your commentary here on the show. and I want to remind our listeners to visit HistoryCentral.com, multimedia website, good for kids of all ages, including you and I. HistoryCentral.com. Mark, thank you so much for joining us. Okay, take care. My pleasure indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Larry Reed. He is the President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. That and more, right here in the Bob Hardin Show on the Bob Hardin Broadcasting Network. (laughs)
0: or of the Bob Harden Show, here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
1: Do you suffer with chronic pain and discomfort? After back surgery, I had painful tendons and muscles and difficulty standing upright. On a referral, I visited Dr. Alec at I Am Designed to Heal, Naples' only vitality and longevity practice where acupuncture, Medical massage, energy healing, and integrative holistic medicine are harmonized to create a -a one-of-a-kind, restorative experience. After only two visits, my pain began to dissipate and I could stand and walk more upright. It was amazing. I plan to continue my treatments to enhance my sense of well-being. Don't suffer needlessly with discomfort and pain. Improve your quality of life. See for yourself and make an appointment by visiting the website IamDesignedToHeal.com that's IamDesignedToHeal.com, or you can call or text Dr. Alec at 239-322-3817. That's 322-3817. Visit IamDesignedToHeal.com for an amazing, one-of-a-kind, restorative experience. Do you have questions about your retirement? AmeriPrize Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of AmeriPrize Financial Services, LLC, can help.
0: Bob
1: Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. And you can get tickets now by visiting the website, gulfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Jim McTagg. Right now we have with us Larry Reed, President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. Larry, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Bob. My pleasure, Larry. Tell us about the Foundation for Economic Education.
3: Okay. We're a privately funded foundation uh, headquartered in Atlanta, Georgia. We focus our work on high school and college students, and we uh, educate and inspire them in ideas of individual liberty, free enterprise, private property, small government, and personal character. And we do that through our very robust website, which is fee, dot org, which features daily fresh commentary as well as uh, free courses and videos.
1: Great organization, and it's so fun. It's so inspiring to see young people responding to the message of freedom and responsibility and limited government. And and again, uh, having attended the national conference, if you have a young person in your life, Age high school or college age, introduce them to fee.org, fee.org. Larry, you wrote a great piece on uh, Liechtenstein. So most people haven't even heard of Liechtenstein, quite frankly. <laughs> but the, the title is The World's Largest Denture Maker Almost Bought Alaska. Boy, that's, that catches your attention. Maybe you can tell us about it.
3: <laughs> okay. Uh, Liechtenstein is a tiny microstate in Europe. Europe actually has about seven so-called microstates, very tiny countries whose origins in many cases go way back uh, hundreds, of, hundreds of years to mm-hmm. uh, the Middle Ages. Uh, in Liechtenstein's, Liechtenstein's case, it's nestled between Austria and Switzerland. It's about 62 square miles with uh, almost 40,000 people, and it has the highest per capita GDP, gross domestic product, in the world, about $180,000 per person, wow. and that's because there are a lot of very wealthy people who live there, and they, do, they live there simply because uh, the tax rates in Liechtenstein uh, are very favorable, far lower than they are in the rest of Europe. Uh, so, And it is the world's largest producer of dentures, and believe it or not, it was offered uh, Alaska by Russia way back in 1867 uh, before Alaska was offered to the United States. And Liechtenstein considered the offer. They had the money. They could have bought it but decided that they likely wouldn't be able to hold on to it. It's it's so far away. Uh, And so Russia ended up selling Alaska to the United States. So this tiny little country has a fascinating history to it.
1: Seward's Folly, as it turned out, that we bought Alaska, I think, for some like 12 cents an acre or something like that. And uh, Lichtenstein, you pronounce it Lichtenstein, I guess, but uh, uh, ended up uh, turning down the deal before the United States bought it. So interesting. You know, I'd like to just peel the onion a little bit. It's so interesting that this country has this kind of amazing uh, GDP and uh, what is it about uh, Liechtenstein, aside from its tax rates, that makes it uh, so uh, formidable in terms of uh, its wealth and uh, its finances?
3: Well, most people in Liechtenstein pay less than 10% in income taxes, hmm. uh, and so that automatically makes it uh, far more favorable than any of the other countries of Europe, which uh, in which uh, Uh, residents would end up paying two or three times as much. So that makes it very attractive right there. But it's also a a very beautiful country with uh, um, uh, a terrific location in the uh, mountains. uh, And uh, it's a very personable place. It's the only country in the world uh, where every single resident is invited every year to the same party. (laughs) The... uh, uh prince uh, the prince of liechtenstein offers uh a beer to every resident on a particular day of the year huh. uh, independence day and so in the in not everybody shows up every year but still it's a great uh, example of of uh, the close connectedness uh of this tiny ca- uh, country
1: yeah amazing indeed and and uh, you know heritage foundation other organizations uh publish Uh, metrics uh, in terms of how they rank countries in terms of personal freedom and financial security and so forth. How does Liechtenstein do? Uh,
3: Liechtenstein is way up there. It is uh, uh, very favorably rated by the Heritage Foundation in its Index of Economic Freedom. Uh, Although it doesn't assign a particular rank uh, to Liechtenstein, it does point out uh, in its report that Uh, The country has tremendous flexibility and openness to global commerce, minimal barriers to trade and investment, a very straightforward, transparent, and streamlined regulatory system, very high levels of political and social stability, a sound and transparent judicial system, and very secure property and contract rights, the very kind of um, environment you would want to have if you want uh, people to start businesses or if you want to attract businesses from other parts of the world.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, of course, uh, with uh, also able to do trade uh, without barriers from tariffs and other things with other countries in most cases, too. So I'm kind of curious, and I I didn't note this in your column, but uh, uh, can people actually migrate to Liechtenstein? Is it an open country like that?
3: Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's freedom of movement in and out. In fact, there's a, a substantial portion of residents Right now in Liechtenstein, I don't recall exactly how many, but it's 20, 30, 40 percent somewhere there uh, that um, live there but are not actually Liechtenstein citizens. So it's very attractive uh, for a lot of reasons. Also, uh, their gift and estate estate taxes in Liechtenstein are uh, very favorable when compared to those of other countries for spouses and children the gift and estate tax rates are under 1%. Yeah. So basically you can inherit stuff and almost uh, owe nothing on it.
1: i uh, read all the, your column. I'm saying, man, oh, man, I bet you there's a lot of people that would consider repatriation or consider uh, making a move <laughs> based, Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> based on that information. Well, that's,
3: that's a big reason their GDP is so high because uh, people who have generated wealth in other countries uh, decide, hey, uh, I'm not going to give the government 60, 70 percent of it. I'm going to move to Liechtenstein
4: so I can keep more of it.
1: Yeah, back to the point about the Foundation for Economic Education, though. Again, this this column is so instructive, not only new information about a country we don't know a lot about, but also helping to demonstrate why there is financial success and why countries do well and when some countries don't do well. A lot of it has to do with the principles that Liechtenstein has adopted Uh, rather than just being uh, flat-out lucky or something like that, uh, Larry. Fee.org is—go ahead, Larry. I'm I'm sorry.
3: sorry. Well, the uh, uh, French political philosopher uh, we know as Montesquieu, Mm -hmm. I think, summed it all up pretty well uh, back in the 18th century. He said that countries are well-cultivated, not as they are fertile, but as they are free— in other words, it isn't the fertility of the soil or the presence of natural resources that determines the wealth of a country. It's the extent to which they freely put their human capital to work to solve problems uh, in a free, free uh, environment.
1: Absolutely. Larry Reed again, President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. Fee.org is the website, FeE.org. Larry, thank you so much for joining us here on the show.
3: Thank you, Bob.
1: My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief and author of some great murder mysteries, that and more, right here in The Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
0: Stay tuned for more of The Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host,
1: Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, providing policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. I hope you check out the website, thefga.org. We have with us uh, Jim McDagg, as I mentioned before the break. He's former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief. Well, now he's writing novels, and they are terrific. His uh, latest two... Are uh, "Follow the Leader" and its sequel "Shake the Money Tree." Jim, thank you so much for joining us here on the show.
4: Hey, Bob! I, in fact, I've just uh, published a third, and I'll send you a copy uh, as soon as I can. It's called "No Problem." Uh, and again, the malefactors uh, are Congress people in Washington. Who, uh, you know, that's so far fetched. Uh, who would ever believe? Yeah. That? <laughs> uh, and you know why? While your listeners were trying to solve today's uh, wordle puzzle uh, I was wrestling with a tongue twister Uh, it's a Chinese company Tsing Shan it's a uh, holding company that controls uh, most of the production of the world's nickel
1: Hmm. and
4: and nickel is used in the production of steel we need it for batteries Uh, we can't have EVs without it and um, the um, I mean there are stories in the Wall Street Journal in the in the markets page, uh, but when you consider the implications, this should be front page news. Because two implications: that, uh, first of all, um, when Congress talks about making the U.S. independent with the manufacture of uh, chips and you know you, you name it, you know we can do it on our own. That, that's baloney. Uh, there's no way we can ever escape a dependency on on Russia and China and other rotten regimes for the materials we need. That's just the way the world is. Um, Hmm. And secondly, you know, uh, China controls uh, nickel, not only in its own country, but I mean, you know, Indonesia, I think, is the second largest depository of uh, nickel in the world. This Tsing Sham owns most of Indonesia's nickel. The Chinese oh. have bought up commodities of all sorts across the globe. You know, hmm. This is why they're so active in Africa. Hmm. You know, they they, they want to have the world on a hook. And here's a third thing. American companies lend money to Tsing to Sham. So um, Tsing Sham made a bet on the prices of nickel. You know they were playing in the commodities market, and uh, they locked in a contract price, thinking you know the big run up in nickel that we've seen in the in the past several weeks was temporary. The prices would retreat, and and they'd make a fortune because they had you know sellers had agreed to buy at a higher price. Well, what happened was the price went blew through uh, to Singshan's, target, huh. and they started losing money on those contracts. And, and technically, they're bankrupt. Nickel has stopped trading on the London Metal Exchange. And J.P. Morgan Chase, Standard Chartered, PLC, uh, PNB, Parabas, other huge investment bankers are owed billions uh, by Shan Holding Group. That is so, so
1: interesting. That so, is so, so interesting. What, so,
4: what, so, what, so the Chinese government really controls this company. You know, it's it's independent and in name only. And uh, the, the uh, bankers' answers to uh, getting out of this uh, crisis, you know, where they would each lose billions, is to lend to Xinjiang more money and to, to sort of give them time to pay off uh, the banks for their bad commodities bets. And what this does, in essence, is put – Big American investment banks on the hook to the communist Chinese government hmm. for years and years to come, hmm. because if the American banks don't cooperate, the Chinese can pull the plug on this commodities firm and and sink the American banks. So, I you know, I hope I'm I hope I'm being overly simplistic. No, <laughs> I, I don't mean think is, I am.
1: it's a very scary. Just to, for a clarifying point here. Uh, is, uh, I believe, I personally believe, and this could be uh, uh, obviously wrong, but uh, that we probably have deposits of nickel here in the United States. Unfortunately, we've got mining rules and uh, environmental rules that prevent us from doing it profitably. Would that be accurate?
4: It would. I mean, we all love uh, clean water. We all love uh, clean air, but we can go overboard. Yep. And, you know, we do have a, a Something called uh, national security, so you have to weigh uh trade offs so you know i don't want to give some mining company carte blanche to pollute my favorite trout stream right to be selfish uh on the other hand, you know i don't want to have the United States uh going hat in hand to these uh repressive anti-democratic regimes uh well you know and, uh, that to your to years. your
1: point it's it's usually not a binary uh decision uh, you know we 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 can do we can say we want to mine nickel as long as we do it without uh, polluting our water and our air we can do that I and mean, we've done it with coal we've done it with an, in a number of issues so uh, unfortunately the green new deal folks have decided that it should be a binary decision and you do one or the other and uh, it's unfortunate but it's absolutely wrong
4: yeah, I, I mean, you get to another point. The, the Democratic Party's view of regulation is top-down. The bureaucrats in Washington are the smartest people in the room, and you do it their way or the highway. Right. Where a um, a, a more logical approach, a smarter approach, would be to give industry a, a, a set of instructions: don't pollute our streams, protect the environment, and let them figure out how to do it. it you know, you, you look over their shoulder and make sure they're doing something, but you don't dictate uh, every step of the process.
1: And wouldn't that be better for national security?
4: It would be. I mean, I mean you can see a real world experiment in this type of regulation in the securities markets. Uh, the Securities and Exchange Commission is essentially run by uh, lawyers and it's it's rules and laws driven, and it's very ineffectual. Whereas the uh, commodity uh, futures trading commission takes the opposite approach, they, you know, they they have a goal, an aspiration, and they tell private companies, uh, you know, get to this, you know, this is what we want. You figure out how to get there. Yeah. And if you look, the CFTC is much more efficient, cost-effective, and less repressive than the Securities and Exchange Commission, which. You know, constantly, uh, you, you have securities fraud uh, every day of the week, uh, despite, uh, you know, maybe 50, 60 volumes of uh, laws. It's
1: ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, you've got volumes of laws and a lot of restrictions on how people can behave in the industry who are quite honest. And then you have Bernie Madoff, who <laughs> ends up for years conning people out of a, with his Ponzi scheme. So all that for nothing, quite frankly. Jim McTig, again, former Barron's Washington Bureau chief. And what's the name of your new book, Jim? When's it coming out?
4: It's called No Problem, and it's out now on uh, Amazon. And um, I will get you a copy so you can see how terrific it is. It's only it's 195 pages, so a really fast, exciting uh, read, and you'll never figure out who done it.
1: Oh uh, great, Jim. I appreciate. It. Is it a sequel to uh, Shake the Money Tree?
4: It is. It's a series, so it's a three-book series now. Follow the leader, shake the money tree, and no problem.
1: All right. Jim, really appreciate uh, your coming on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Bob. My pleasure, indeed. Well, that's a wrap here in today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. We've got great guests lined up for tomorrow. Always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com. bobharden at hotmail.com. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste.